Pant versus the lawn. Take one. Is this going to be like the Bumblethorn again? Buckthorn. Buckthorn. Sorry. Hey, folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin, is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. Welcome to the cabin. You've made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Wrightlow, Managing Editor of UpNorthNewsWI.com. And I'm Kristen Bry, and you can find my short political comedy videos at As Goes Wisconsin. And I'm Kirk Bankstead, owner of the Monaco Brewing Company and adulator of Pat Kreitlow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What'd you say? Adulator? Adulator. I adulator. Adulate him. Does that work? Yeah. Well, you know, June is Pride Month, and then July is Adulation Month. So we these things go <laughs> oh, in a certain order. Oh, we you just went there. You the agitator? Is that the, is that similar? Oh, I think I adulate's a real word. I think it means I like him a lot. All right, let's turn to aggregators here as well as agitators and aggregate some news. Um, first, we want to tell you we join you live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio, News Talk 92.7, and play it back over the weekend. We post it over at upnorthpodcast.com. Devil Radio now has a brand new app. You can download the app and listen live Wednesdays at 7 or on demand as you like. Our email address is info at upnorthpodcast.com. And the guest in our second half hour is State Representative Francesca Hong. So we're going to warn you, swears may follow, which is funny because we normally worry about that with Kristen, but now we have somebody else to worry about it instead. Well, we we've, done, we've been on this radio station together multiple times and managed to not curse li on live radio. So I think we'll be able to do it again tonight because we actually, usually we have to do for, like hold out over a course of an hour. And tonight we only have to do it for like, 10 minutes. Evan, so we're the good. there's telling us we have like a swear button that we, we do. We do have a we do have a dump button. Let's <laughs> try to avoid using it. Although I can guarantee <laughs> we're starting with swears right from the get go, just based on what Representative Hong put on Twitter just today, uh, referring to Wisconsin manufacturers and commerce as whiny little bitches. But you'll just have to wait for that to come down. Uh, before we get there, uh, before we check some headlines, uh, there there were a couple of racing machines that did not do well recently. Obviously, some folks know that um, whatever the name is of the horse that won the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, failed a drug test. And but closer to home, uh, my lawn tractor failed the test of time. It's done. Uh. It's done. So this is not another story. What did you call it, Kristen? He's like, I was going to talk about the lawnmower and, and you want to know if it was another. Oh, it's like your bumblethorn. It's, it's like it's Buckthorn. It's like the the problems you have as a up north homeowner that I, as a urban renter, just don't have. No. So. One thing Wait, I want to know that you have a tractor mower. Well, that's I, a little bit. It's it's like the it's like a baby John Deere. You know, it was like yeah, and and it's twenty three years old. It was like one of my first grown up purchases, you know, besides the house, of course, was to have a lawn tractor. Uh, and, and my wife, God bless her, uh, was was a little surprised when I got it. She knew we were talking about getting a lawn tractor. But you know, a, a John Deere is not exactly, you know, something you get at, you know, the, the corner hardware store. And I said, Well, I got the John Deere because you're a farm girl, you know, you, you have nothing but John Deere tractors. And she's like, Yeah, real tractors, real tractors are what we have up north. There's a lawn tractor. But 
be that as it may, I had it and it used it for 23 some years and the transmission just finally Wait, gave out. Is and this the year that you just like somehow just screw all up. your stuff up? You screwed up your grill, you screwed up your lawnmower, your lawn tractor. What did he do to his grill? Well, no, I just got a new grill. Oh, that's all. That was just a, a Christmas present. I haven't screwed it up yet. Yes. Yeah. So wait, so now do you just hire someone? Do you do you splurge on getting a new lawnmower or do you just hire well, someone for this summer to do it for you? Here's where our story turns. I have, <laughs> I have a push mower. I have a nice little push mower for kind of getting in the tight spots, you know? I mean, I'm really making this sound like an estate that we're you on You must here. have an estate. Um, you live in a castle, over Pat. At Shady Acres over here on Lake Wasoda. The push mower died at the same time. Oh, no. It too is about 20 years old. And it's one of those, you know, you got to pull the cord pulled the cord, pulled the cord right out. The, the cord had just said, that's it, checking out, see you later. So apparently there's this trend now called no mow May. You're not supposed to mow during the month of May. It's supposed to be good for the for the bees and the other pollinators, not to be confused with the agitators, Kirk. Agulators. Or the ag agulators. Yeah. So <laughs> it is now truly a, a no mow May over at the, over at Crichtlow Manor. Uh, so, you know, if, if there's anybody listening in the area that, you know, has a, a a kid looking to make a buck and can you know push a mower of their own not mine uh I, i'm in the market for it kirk you don't you know you've got time you should you should want i'll over. come over to your house and mow your lawn no 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 <laughs> I, do, I have a hard time imagining you are very good at mowing lawns kirk i i can I, only i feel like you would like do a really patchy job or like half of it and then just get distracted and walk away and be like what do you mean i did a great job what are you talking about it's done <laughs> I, I mowed my lawn my mow my dentist lawn when i was in uh like the eighth or seventh and eighth grade i got like good 20 spot and it was a big huge it was like on the mcdill pond in stevens point wisconsin it was a big lawn so i i've had years and years and years of lawn mowing practice all right. And that's why I don't. Don't ask me to mow your lawn. Well, that was my brother. That I, was like the, the very few uh, gendered, uh, like gendered things that happen in our house. My older brother got to mow the lawn and I never had to. Oh, that's just too to. gender normative. We we can't have he that. He got to mow the lawn. I'm so sure, when we, sure when we do finally have uh, one of Kirk's famous keg stand parties on Lake Wasoda, uh, it will begin with Kristen breaking in whatever lawn tractor I replace this with because That'll that, make a good video. We can make that into a video. That is TikTok worthy right there. For sure. Uh, let's turn to a, a quick look at uh, headlines here. And uh, again, vaccinations are starting to trail off a bit here, but uh, the messaging about getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is shifting as well. It's getting away from the, the mass vaccination clinics, uh, places like the Wisconsin Center in downtown Milwaukee or Zorn Arena in Eau Claire. It's moving now toward neighborhood outreach, uh, mobile pop-up sites, uh, churches, other smaller venues where it's easier to do outreach that's a, a bit more indiv individualized, gang. And I I think that that's probably where people, you know, like you probably, uh, you know, shine best is I don't know if you if you na naturally have any friends who are still vaccine hesitant and you're 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 kind of working them but that's really where a good friend or a good neighbor could could make the difference and get a few more shots and a few more arms. So, Pat, I I mean, you've read some of this 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 news. There is Ohio just today is giving their lottery systems giving a million dollars for anybody who gets vaccinated enters into a million dollar lottery that just came out like 10 minutes ago paid by the government well no the lottery well whatever the lottery like the lottery like like powerball is is yeah. paying for it's probably a, a separate lottery yeah million bucks 
for that. That's that's a great. That's a perfect idea. That's a great idea. That's what I feel like. Most of this is. I mean, I think it's going to be come down to um. Some is going to be incentive, like carrot and stick and stuff like that. But I actually, who was it that was just this week uh, that was talking about what research they've done? It's like bullying people into getting the vaccine is not going to work. And so I actually stopped myself. I was going to make a silly video talking about like kind of making fun of the people who come into my comments after I make a vaccine video telling me that I'm a sheep and blah, blah, blah. And kind of, I was going to make a video making, kind of making fun of them. And then after reading that article, I decided that like, I'm not going to, cause that's not going to help. And so the, the more encouraging and the more good information we can give out and the more we can encourage people to talk to anyone in their life who is still hesitating in a manner that is not browbeating seems like the way to go right now. I mean, it's really like, there's two, there, there's multiple types of people that are choosing not to get vaccinated, but a lot of them just aren't thinking about it. It's not just that they're not vaccine hesitant. I think there's a big chunk that just need to be incentivized. And obviously there's some that need their doctors to say, do it for your mom, do it for your wife, do it for your kids, you know, but like, you know, Buffalo, New York, Appleton, Oshkosh, there are brew. I mean, obviously we're, we're doing a big, we're giving away beer and we're going to try to get people vaccinated. And if you get vaccinated, you get a free beer. And that is already proven to be successful. So incentivizing, will get a big chunk more. And then, then we got to convince the folks that are anti-vax and I don't know how we do that. Well, and I really just think we should, we should have fun with it at this point, because it, it has been a very frustrating year of listening to people, um, say things that aren't true uh, from the former guy on down. And there's been a lot of trying to correct, you know, the record as it were, and try to correct the misinformation. We've done as much of that, I think, as we can. And now it just gets to the point where we're providing instead the motivation, the incentive, the praise, the encouragement. And if, if that's what it takes, then so be it. Uh, so let, let's try to keep that, uh, you know, upside um, the way that we go, especially for somebody like Kirk, who's going to do it with free beer. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're going to take a break right now. And uh, Kristen's going to tell us more about election reform laws in just a moment. You're up north. The Up North podcast is a small group project from three ne'er-do-wells who once upon a time were described as a crack commando unit sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These three promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire Kirk Bangstead, Pat Kreitlow, and Kristen Bry. Later played on TV by Hannibal, Murdoch, and B.A. We'll leave you to guess which one was played by Mr. T, but I pity the fool who doesn't listen to what Kristen Bry is going to tell you about what's happening over at As Goes Wisconsin. Kristen. I don't even know how to follow that up. What's happening? <laughs> I should have invited you to the rehearsal. My, my bad. All right. Well, as part of being part of the A-team, I am also, uh, I also produce daily, so, uh, daily social media videos that combine all things Wisconsin, whether it's history, sports, politics. Uh, we break it down with a comedic twist in videos that are 60 seconds or less. So whether you find yourself checking Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok the most, you can find my videos uh, on all of those platforms at As Goes Wisconsin. 
All right, Murdoch, uh, Kirk, you're up next. I pity the fool who crosses Pike Crack Crack Low. Pat Crack Low. Nice try. I pity the fool. <laughs> okay, thanks, Pat. So we diverted our attention on gerrymandering fair maps this last week, and we are focused for the next couple weeks on having some awesome parties to incentivize folks to get vaccinated. So currently working on two big parties in Monaco and Hudson, where we'll be offering fear, free beer for a shot, like a beer and a shot, get it? a vaccine and welcoming in those fully vaccinated plus two weeks for full protection to stick around and party with us and, and drink progressive beer and listen to some great music. So if you'd like to sponsor a free beer to those that get vaccinated, go to our monacobrewingcompany.com and buy our official merch for the inoculation emancipation party. So go to monacobrewingcompany.com <laughs> and uh, look up that collection of merch. The, Thank you. The, the what party? The eman inoculation emancipation party. That's a beautiful thing. It's freedom. That is. I'm Pat Kreitler here to remind you that the Up North podcast is an independent endeavor, not part of the place I'm proud to call my daytime professional home, Up North News. If you haven't made us part of your daily information diet, well, dial us up. We're a no-nonsense digital newsroom specializing in covering the leaders and newsmakers whose actions have direct impact up north and anywhere around the four corners of Wisconsin. Our reporters do not speak in newsroomies or political gibberish. We translate those things for you so you know what's happening among those shiny marble columns in Madison and Washington. So find us online by searching for Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI, and you can sign up for the daily newsletter I assemble every weekday morning by visiting our website, upnorthnewswi.com. We also want to thank Double Radio News Talk 92.7, where we air live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And be sure to download the Double Radio app. You can listen to the station live on the go, get shows on demand and more. And again, you can email us at info at upnorthpodcast.com. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kristen Bry along here with Kirk Bankset and Pat Kreitlow. So uh, let's talk about the tug of war ongoing headlines that are happening with the laws that control our elections. Uh, Pat, why don't you give us a rundown of where we stand, at least in Wisconsin, as from the proposed bills uh, for quote unquote election integrity, despite there being zero evidence of any <laughs> no fun election integrity solutions quote unquote in search of a problem and and sure we can we can do all this in six and a half minutes um but <laughs> here's here's what we need what we want to tell you as we asked Kristen to do a, 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 some videos for us at up north news talking about this topic there are bills in state legislatures around the country that are said to be protecting elections, that's not exactly so. Meanwhile, Democrats in Washington are proposing legislation that would uh, make voting, uh, would put, take down some of the barriers to voting. And uh, Kristen, when we asked you to explain all this, you, you were right to say, let's go more like the 30,000 foot level and really describe what, what are we talking about here? And I like that from the get-go, you, you hit on what we are here. We, we are, you know, we're, we're a, a representative democracy. And without that, you know, what, what's the rest for? Yeah. And like, I think, you know, the, because often writing is very different than trying to have a point in a video, right? Like in, in an article, you can hyperlink to other articles, you can send, you can direct people to more information, um, but in a video, you got those slotted time that you got 
to make the point that you're trying to make and bring it, bring it home, do your intro, your meet and bring it home in maybe a minute, two minutes. And so I was like, all right, what are we trying to get across here? And I think beyond getting beyond the partisan, well, you're a Democrat, so you're wrong, or you're a Republican, so you're wrong. And the partisan, uh, the simplistic partisan generality or generalizations we make on one another, as far as it's easy to hear, immediately hear what the other side says about voting and say, well, I don't agree with that because that side said it. So it's like, all right, let's strip everything back and actually think about this thing that we hold dear, which is democracy, which we haven't, you know, and, and we literally, when you look up the definition of democracy, it's a system of government that's based on the legitimacy of the participation of its people, i.e. voting. And we have not always been good as a country uh, at that part, um, considering it took multiple amendments to our constitution to legally allow and secure everyone's right to vote. And we're still not good at it because we're really the only democracy that discourages its people from voting by making it so hard to vote. And so the, the, and like, we're the only, I think I read today, we're the only major democracy or like mains, like advanced democracy that you're not automatically registered to vote. You have to jump through these hoops to opt in versus opt out. And so when you strip that all back and it's, you kind of think about it, like, this is not a partisan thing. If we believe in our democracy, we should be finding solutions that make it more accessible for everyone and every of all of our, all of our, uh, population to vote versus uh, assuming that the only way to have safe elections is to make it harder to vote because yeah. that is the two a are straw not, man's argument. Right, the two are not linked. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's like, we can make them more secure if we just gave them more money, but so not yeah. everyone wants to do that. <laughs> so Kristen, that was a great like over overview of what's happening. I mean, can I talk about my extreme nightmare and, and it possibly coming to coming to fruition in 2024. My extreme nightmare is that is that all these th over 300 voter suppression bills in 43 states, a lot of them get passed. And it's really hard to vote in 2022. Now, the Republicans, because they've made it harder to vote, they take over, they get the majority in, uh, of, uh, of, in the House and the Senate uh, in 2022. They then, two years later, Joe Biden runs for president and wins. And they say they, re they do not confirm that he won because we, we know that the majority of the Republicans that are in the House and the Senate would have probably disavowed Biden's election on this time around. The only thing that stopped it was that we had a Democratic elected House. So is it possible that if these guys actually pass these voter suppression rules, that we will turn into an authoritarian state in 2024 and Biden will just not win because they override the election results? It's That's a dystopian projection, <laughs> Kirk. And there's a lot of stuff that we can work on there's before a that happens. Well, there's a, there, and that's just it. There is a lot to do to either make sure that elections stay safe and free of those barriers. But more importantly to Kirk's fundamental point is to accept the results. 
there were a lot of people in 2016 that could not believe it, that did not, did not want it to be true, but it was. There were a lot of people in 2000 that did not like the result, but again, accepted it. But this time around, there were people who were prepared not to accept it. There were congressional representatives from Wisconsin and a U.S. senator from Wisconsin who were supportive of tossing out the vote. So it's interesting that uh, this week, more than 100 uh, high-ranking Republicans have said they are considering breaking away, that the Republican Party might not be able to be saved. Among them, Reed Ribble a former moderate Republican congressman from the 8th District uh, up by Green Bay. So we're going to see this divide until more people in the party, first off, accept that you can't win every election and you can't rig every election. But to what Kristen was, was trying to say uh, in her video, and you really should go watch it over at Up North News or at As Goes Wisconsin, this all fundamentally comes down to everybody who should be able to vote should be encouraged to vote, should not have uh, barriers to voting, and your vote should be safe, and the votes should all be counted. And there are ways to do that. And Kristen, you did a, a fantastic job of, of setting up the topic so that now in future weeks, we can uh, kind of go piece by piece through what is in those uh, pieces of legislation, which ones might work, which ones might not. So thank you for doing that. We'll take our break right here. When we come back, State Representative Francesca Hong, you're up north. Hey, welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, Kirk Bankstead with us, along with Kristen Bry, and joining us now, State Assembly Representative Francesca Hong. Representative Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. You know, I, I was explaining on, on another uh, radio program, uh, they said, well, it, it's the Up North Podcast, and you're talking to a, a Madison rep. We talked to a, a Milwaukee state rep, Evan Goyke, last week. I said, yeah, it's kind of tough to talk to Democratic legislators from up north when... You know, we don't have Jim Holprin or Russ Decker or Roger Bresky, Bob Jauk, or some guy, Kreitlow, uh, you know, there anymore. <laughs> and so when we want to get that progressive viewpoint of, of what other progressives up north uh, need to hear, they need to hear from folks like you, who, uh, frankly, we're all very grateful that you're serving and not just occupying a seat, not just keeping it warm, but actually, you know, uh, walking the walk, talking the talk and tweeting the tweet. Uh, and it, it's where I want to kick things off because... You, I've already done more than I have in my legislative career, of course there wasn't Twitter back then, of referring to Wisconsin manufacturers and commerce as whiny little bitches. And I, I just want to thank you for your service right there. There's nothing else you need to do. But I'll, our, my first question to you is to explain the context of that because you, they, they and a whole lot of the business community is trying to get an upper hand on this labor shortage where they have no business trying to get the upper hand. What do you mean by that? Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, I want to go back to what was written on their uh, building wall the, um, this past summer, and that, you know, they have stolen more than, um, I think that's what it said, but they literally have stolen from the people of the state. And when I see legislators, when I see business owners, when I see other lobbyists that consistently insult the people in this state, calling them lazy, saying that they are not motivated to go back to work, 
I don't know how that doesn't make every single legislator in this body furious. So I went into mama bear mode. And the fact is, and especially in the hospitality industry, yes, we have seen what is traditionally called a labor shortage, which I know a lot of folks are calling a crisis right now, which is wild that they would call this a crisis and not the fact that 7,000 people died of COVID-19 in Wisconsin. Um, we are what we are seeing is that hospitality in particular is a very individualized sector. And so when you see higher wages, um, generally that drives down labor. And, and so um, they're they're fabricating more lies, which is what a lot of my colleagues across the aisle tend to do. And it's really unfortunate that the collateral damage of that is again the people of Wisconsin and, and the integrity and the dignity that they deserve to be served. Um, and we are serving them. They are our bosses. Well, how would you feel if your bosses called you you lazy, you know? And and they are literally not answering to their bosses who should be the people of Wisconsin. Instead, their bosses are people who serve the Wisconsin uh, uh, WMC, uh, the people who serve unfortunately. Unfortunately, sometimes, um, you know, uh, the realtors, I, I, I go back and forth, but they shouldn't be answering to special interests. They should be answering to the people. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was first, I just want to step back because every time I've ever been on sharp elbows, also on 92.7, uh, either Nada or Francesca introduces me as the brilliant phenomenal. So let me take my chance to first introduce Francesca as the firebrand amazing sharp tongued like badass woman that since I first saw you on Twitter I've wanted to be friends with you so thank you for coming on our show <laughs> um now back to the WMC so I actually the thing that I've seen because it's 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 such a dumbed down way to pinpoint what's happening because I've seen multiple different things because I spend so much time on social media because it's Sure, there's probably some people who are appreciating the fact that I can at least get by the same way I got by having to work mm. on unemployment. But there's also people who found different ways to make money. Like we live in a digital age and the people who were not affected during COVID were people like me who had a skill set that was still valuable without having to actually show up to a physical location. And so as people are resilient people, Maybe they got on Upwork, maybe they got in Fiverr, maybe they taught themselves how different skill sets that don't require them to be in a bad working situation where they can work from home and still make money. Or and they maybe had the they, and they, they had the opportunity to do that because of the enhanced benefits that they were receiving. There exactly. is no evidence, zero evidence that receiving benefits discourages people from looking for work. What it does is it creates opportunities for you to look for work because maybe you had money to pay a babysitter. Maybe you had money to go buy a new outfit for an interview. Maybe you had money to be able to go and, you know, shop at a cafe and use their internet because you don't have internet at your home. So expanding opportunities for people to find and, and to find work, that's what enhancement benefits, that's what unemployment benefits does. There is zero evidence that it is disincentivizing workers from going back. And if those wages on unemployment are the same as what you were working, and I would say the average hospitality worker full-time, their salary is around $20,000 a year. Those incredibly low wages that are in the hospitality industry is what is driving those labor shortage numbers. And we are not looking at this from the correct lens. And again, I need to reiterate that unemployment and benefits, those enhancements are not what is disincentivizing workers from going back. It is creating opportunities for them to enter the workforce again. Kirk? So 
Francesca, you just you just took me on a whole different tangent because we talked earlier, uh, you know, right after the election, and we're, you you you're a chef, you owned a restaurant, I owned a brew pub. We've got we share a lot of uh, similar kind of experiences. I was going to ask you about you know all this withholding of uh, stimulus money and mm -hmm. restaurants going out of business. That was my original question, but you just got you just hit me so hard on hospitality workers not making enough money, and I was. I, I pulled my hair out trying to figure out how to make the eco economics work of running a brew pub and not pay and paying my cooks anything more than $15 an hour, paying my servers more than $3 an hour and hoping that somebody would tip them well. And I came to the conclusion that, that until there are laws that force all restaurants mm -hmm. to pay their workers uh, a living wage and to get rid of tipping, um, that we the restaurant industry cannot do it or won't do it. We have to all be forced to do it at once. Talk to me about that. I agree. Our our industry is very broken, and I'm and that's what so many other restaurant um, owners and and folks in the food and beverage industry talk to me about. They want to be able to offer a minimum of fifteen dollars an hour. They don't know how can they take tipping away because some servers were walking away with two three hundred dollars a night, where we still had workers in the back of the house that were barely making thirteen twelve dollars an hour, doing much doing um, you know really hard difficult labor, and so I think. You're absolutely right in that if we don't make this the norm, if we don't have pressure from both government policies and the fact that we have to bring diners into this as well, diners have to recognize that food has been artificially priced low for many, many years. This industry, when I say it's broken, that has gotten that has it's 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 permeated these these false notions of 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 what the true cost of food and running a restaurant is. We know now that profit margins are minuscule. We know now that restaurants, but also are very community oriented. So I think restaurants are that you see being successful that can still pay their workers well and they can you know offer benefits and and really help people build careers are ones whose reputations are really you know they've invested in those relationships with their clients. But you're right that we have to normalize the fact that there's going to be a service fee and a server might tell you that this service fee is to make sure that everyone in this building gets a living wage. This service fee is to, and if you want to tip on top of that, great, but it's allowing us to keep our jobs and have dignity in our jobs. And so it, it needs to be a common, just there needs to be a lot of education, both in the industry, but also to our guests to let them know that, hey, why don't you frequent the ones that are doing the right thing? And in so doing, there, you know, the not that WMC has uh, a counterpart, but there are groups that try from time to time. And right now, one of them is, is Main Street Alliance. And you know, the point that is being made is that by having a government set a, a level playing field, you no longer have small hometown, locally owned businesses that are caught up in this race to the bottom by their larger national customers. Exactly. A lot of people will tell you that, you know, one of the things about, you know, capitalism that uh, works is competition leads to these efficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. That is the, that's fine in some areas, but when we're talking about competition to pay as little as possible and that people are relishing in that as if it's some sign that something's working, I don't think they could be more wrong. It is a sign that, that things are broken here. And so it's, and yet you're hearing from people just just this week in an assembly session, if I heard right, there was somebody on the other side of the aisle 
talking about how you Democrats never sign the front of a paycheck. You only sign the, the, the back of a paycheck. And I think somebody better say to him, hey, pal, if you can't find the workers because you, you treat them like crap. I still sign checks by hand, by the way. I've signed many checks, many fronts of checks. And I think it is, um, it's an absolute disservice to service sector workers if we don't advocate for that level playing field. And also remember that these larger policies like paid leave, having affordable childcare, having 3K, you know, having a universal larger minimum wage, these aren't mandates. This is literally what's going to be able to allow businesses to make investments in their workers. Um, and it's it's disheartening that we've got a legislature right now that wants to mandate singing the national anthem at sporting events, but you can't mandate masks. Right. Good. I sang um, the anthem at many, I, I sang at our wiffle ball championship in out in, um, um, oh my gosh. My Where's rookies? Where? Why can't I think? Is that Mazo? Mazo. I've been out to Mazo and I sang the national anthem, and now is Wiffle Ball. I didn't. I wasn't forced to. All right, let's ask if Wiffle Ball was a sport. No, no. It just is Wiffle Ball. Just like the only thing difference with Wiffle Ball is just the ball itself. Is everything else just baseball? Real crazy sliders and stuff. I mean, the pitches are insane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Um, all right, let's change gears and, and end on a higher note. Uh, I want to switch to the Hmong education bill that you uh, introduced last week that I think is on its way to be signed. Um, so the Hmong no. Veterans Day bill will be on the governor's desk on Friday, which is incredibly exciting. This is a bill that the Hmong community, the, the false campaign promises that has been made to these people, um, they've been treated like a political football, just tossed around. And, and I think that this is a really big step in it, just recognizing and affirming their contributions, that they are part of the Wisconsin story, that they are integrated into the Wisconsin story. And I'm very excited for this uh, bill to be signed on Friday. We have also introduced the Hmong Education Migration Act. Um, this is uh, Representative Snyder and uh, uh, Senator Wimberger are the leads, um, but the work was really done by Representative Katrina Shankland um, in previous sessions. And what we're doing is that there's a, as Act 31, it talks about uh, including curricula around the history of and human relations um, in relation to African Americans, um, Native Americans, and uh, Hispanics. And uh, Hmong Americans and Asian Americans were intentionally excluded from this act um, because there was anti-Hmong sentiment after they had uh, been, uh, that they arrived in Wisconsin in the late seventies as refugees. Um, and so there was a lot of fear around, you know, again, workers being pitted against each other, that they were gonna take jobs, um, that they were going to not be able to assimilate it into Wisconsin culture. And that literally was the driver of why they were not included in this act. So we reintroduced it with the inclusion of Asian Americans, uh, Pacific Islanders and Desi Americans, as well as Hmong Americans as a standalone um, in the act. So uh, we're circulating right now and we're really hoping that we can get it through committee and to the assembly floor. Well, See, this is problems that need solutions. And here, this is what that looks like. So that's awesome. It is. And in the one minute that we have left, Francesca, you know, again, for, for folks, whether they're moderate, progressive, uh, you know, soft center, right, you know, folks that live up north, 
what do you feel like they should know about their hometown legislators, the things that either they're doing or not doing when it comes to standing up for their constituents or are they standing up for their donors or is it all ideological? What, what do you feel like they don't know about their hometown lawmakers? I don't think they know that their hometown lawmakers are perpetuating harm and that they're talking about, they're using words like accountability and transparency. But when you're a legislator in a gerrymandered state like we are, you don't have to answer to constituents because your seat is warm no matter what you do. So who are they answering to? Um, I think it's it's absolutely right for every Wisconsinite to demand that their legislators show up to their community, that they meet their communities where they are, that they answer the phone, that they um, talk about issues that really matter to them and that they invest in their communities. There is so much talk about the budget and, and making sure that we have a healthy budget. And that's great. But why are we not talking about investing in people and the policies that are going to help invest in people, like expanding Medicare, like making it easier uh, to uh, access, um, you know, quality health insurance, um, that the fact that we have all of these different ways to um, include, uh, to make a healthier budget, like decriminalizing marijuana, um, that these types of policies, they don't have to be seen as left or right. They should be Wisconsin policies for Wisconsin people and Wisconsin legislators should have to answer to people when they want to, when, if, if they're literally talking about things that are impacting people's everyday lives and livelihoods. Representative Francesca Hong. It was so great to meet you, to uh, have you on the show. Hope we can do it uh, many more times. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Kirk, anything you want to say? I'm sorry. As the segment was beginning, <laughs> the bull in the china shop over here unplugged the radio station computer. And while we continued talking here on the Zoom recording, Kirk took an entire radio station down. Congratulations. Wait, can you, can you hear me now? I Am can, I on? I can hear you. And we have all of 30 seconds. For I got, to... oh, sorry. I got so excited doing my intro that I kicked the, the actual computer button that was on or off and it totally <laughs> shut down everything. And I'm really glad it did because you, we, we, we warned you about Francesca swearing. You should have heard what was here, Kristen. Uh, consider yourself lucky. Hey. Okay. Seems like a sorry, Kristen. It seems like as good a place to wrap up as any. So again, info at upnorthpodcast.com for uh, for Kristen Bry and the incredible Hulk. Uh, I'm Pat Wrightlow. We'll see you next time. What you